Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do in our days, but all too often it gets drowned out by the noise around us. But what if the noise in our earbuds could help us tune out the noise of the world and instead tune in to our most important conversation? That's why we're here, to bring you inspiring conversations, practical how-tos, and guided prayers to help you pray like you never thought possible. I'm Valerie Warner, and this is Prayer in a Noisy World. In today's episode, I'm talking with Sarah Haggerty. She is the wife to Nate and a mother of seven whose arms stretched wide across the expanse between the United States and Africa. After almost a decade of Christian life, she was introduced to pain and perplexity and ultimately intimacy with Jesus. God met her and moved her when she when life stopped working for her. And out of the overflow of this perplexity came her writing, both on her blog and in her books, Every Bitter Thing is Sweet, Unseen, and Adore. Now here's my interview with Sarah Haggerty. Welcome, Sarah. I cannot wait to dive into this topic of adoration. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be on. (laughs) Sarah, you have truly taught me how to add balance to my prayers. I had a real hot streak of just praying for myself and neglecting time in prayer to simply praise God for who He is. Um, It's so important, though, and honestly, how we pray and even if we pray hinges on how we adore God. So I'm just super excited to share this topic today. Um, But before we dive into all things adoration, I want to hear what your prayer life looks like, your prayer routine um, on a daily basis. (laughs) You would ask me that at the end of a crazy (laughs) summer. Yes. Help Jesus. <laughs> I should have said, right, what's your prayer life routine looks like right now? Like, yeah, yes, let me tell you about changes. the past days. It does. <laughs> yeah. And it changes. I mean, it changes as your kids grow and change. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, there is one staple in my life, which is just my morning time with the Lord. And that, you know, I have vacillated. There was definitely a longer stretch where, I got little pockets with God throughout the day and mm-hmm. wasn't, was just waking with my kids. But so I, I hate to say like, oh, look at me with my morning quiet time. Everybody needs to do that because I really do feel like it changes in seasons. I just have learned mm-hmm. as an introvert and I have seven kids. So man, the the combination of my introverted nature and my kids, my teenagers who are up late and my toddlers who are up on the earlier side, I have just needed like dark hours where nobody is up. My husband even leaves the house. He goes to a prayer room around the corner from our house to spend time with the Lord because I like don't even want a single sound in the house. So I have that every day. That's kind of a given uh, for a while before my kids get up. But I would say, you know, right now, currently, like this is real time. My prayer life is looking like, I, I, you know, I was just thinking about it this afternoon. If I can keep myself separate from my phone, which Mm -hmm. really doesn't, my phone, the draw to my phone for me personally, isn't so much social media as it is task. Cause I'm like the social coordinator for my teenagers who don't yet have phones for my little kids. And we've got a bunch of, you know, things with friends and church. And so my phone can become like a place to just check off more tasks. If I can keep myself separate from that, I find that like my prayer life during the day looks like I'm spraying and wiping down the counters and talking to the Lord about the Bible study my kids are going to go to tonight and asking him to meet them. And I'm changing another load of laundry and just, I mean, we're talking one minute prayers where I'm Mm -hmm. saying, Jesus, um, touch Virginia's heart because she's four and she's really emotional these days. And, or I'm, you know, pulling out school books and kind of getting everything ready for the start of school and praying like, Lord, would you let this school year be transformational for my kids? So practically speaking, the end of a summer, every, you know, the threads hanging out, everybody's a little ragged. It looks like, (laughs) you know, ideally, if I'm not, if I don't have my phone and I'm not spending every free minute tasking on my phone, it looks like a half dozen to a dozen intersections with God like that during the day. Yeah. I love that. I know, you know, people will be encouraged to hear just, just the way that is that, that is the picture of praying without ceasing, you know, like it's obviously we have moments of we just have to do life, but just inviting God into that, I think is beautiful. 
Mm. Um, what about, do, do you, how do you physically pray? Do you feel like you pray? Um, I know you mentioned just out loud or, uh, and maybe not out loud, but do you pray out loud? Do you use a journal? What does that look like? Um, on a regular basis? Yeah. I mean, I would say those, those minute prayers during the day, and I call them minute prayers just because I feel like it actually lowers the bar for me in my mind. I'm like, yeah. Oh, it's okay if I show up for a minute, you know, um, that during the day, that's just in my head in the mornings though. I really have found that writing out my prayers is helpful just to keep me focused. So yeah. like actually having a place, I mean, that's what I love about your prayer journal, even the adoration page that you have in there, like having a place where it's, you know, it's not pages and pages, but it's a, it's a definite like space where I can focus my attention into three or four lines that I'm writing, whether it be adoration or whether it be, I'm like working through something hard in my heart and I'm writing it like a letter to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that, that for me, I feel like those prayers, I'm not writing it to like check a box. I'm more so writing it because if my fingers are moving, it's drawing my mind to what my mind is focusing on. And honestly, during these days, I just, I think I'm old enough to feel the fractured nature of my brain. I remember when I was 20 and I didn't have a phone. I remember when I was 20, 30 and I didn't have an iPhone and how mm -hmm. my attention span was so much longer then. Yeah. And so now I feel like it's, it's more of an active, I feel like prayer has to become more active on my part to actually engage. Otherwise I've had like days go by and I've been super productive and maybe my house is clean, but my heart feels pretty stale. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I was um, just talking to somebody about how Instagram is changing right now. I'm, I'm not on there right now, but she was saying that it's more about videos and less about pictures and, and words. And I'm just thinking, so even the like short little Instagram pictures where people would have words is too, is too much. Like we have to move to the pictures or the videos where, and I know, I know I've done this too, as I've hopped back on for Valmarie paper for different things, I'm, I'm drawn to the reels or to the videos that are mm -hmm. quick. They're a quick hit of something. Um, so our, our attention spans are just shrinking and we actually, um, have plans to do a podcast on how to increase our attention span, but, Oh, that's so um, good. I mean, yeah, do you see that? Are you old enough that you can actually look back on your walk with God before you had an iPhone and see um, the difference? Yes. Um, and, and it's probably more just my attention span on anything, but yes, I do. There was definitely times where even if I had a phone, it was not the, um, the drive of like, like you said, like the uh, coordinating activities, knowing like, Oh, I just got a text from my mom and my sister about this, or, um, just all the different, the different things that we come to our phones for, um, and being connected with so many people that are not in my town. Like, um, it's yes. beautiful being on Voxer and getting to like, be encouraged and encourage other women is so beautiful. But it, like, I know I was on there for probably an hour the other day before I realized like, Whoa, I need to go like, like Cook I don't want to say do life with my kids, but I do, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it's a, yeah. Cause I think sometimes we put it in the category of like, Oh, it's social media that's drawing my attention. But like realistically mm -hmm. for me, it's actually connection and yeah, that's a beautiful yeah. thing. But like when I can remember where I could sit and I'm not exaggerating, like I remember where I could sit for hours with God and not have that distraction. And I feel like now I have to work harder and I'm not saying we need to work hard to get God's approval. It's not that, but it's like, I'm just, a, I'm just aware that like I have candy available to me all day mm -hmm. long. So I can, and even the candy of getting something done, that feels like a quick rush. You know, I just got something done. I'm productive. Yeah. Am I going to eat candy forever? Or am I going to go, you know what though, right now when all this is going on in our world and our, I mean, I won't even say what's going on right now in our nation. Cause I know by the time this is airs, there's going to be something else, you know, mm -hmm. all this is going on right now. My soul craves his word and conversation with God. That's the only thing that's going to make me fall asleep tonight in peace. 
Yeah. And so am I going to keep going for the candy? Yeah. My flesh wants to do that. Like it just does. Or am I going to start to eat a little bit more steak every day and go, this is actually what my body needs. Yeah. I love that. So, well, I am curious too, then how do you pray with other people? This has been a question we've been thinking a lot about over the last couple of months, because we have a lot, a lot of uh, plans and a vision for how to encourage people to pray in community. It hasn't been something that's been super important to me over the last, you know, the previous five years, but in the last year or two, I feel like the Lord is just putting on my heart that this is not like a, a good thing to do. It is like essential to our faith to be Mm. praying with others. Wow. That's good. But still new, but still very new. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I love that. I mean, I know personally, so my husband actually prays with the same group of guys five days a week, every morning for 30 minutes. That and I, incredible. is it, no, they have a definite mm-hmm. system they use. So it's not, they, they pray through the Psalms in a different Psalm every day. They call it the Psalm circle. Um, and you know, they're guys, so it's not like they do what girls I think can do more often, which is like pray for, you know, five minutes and catch up for 25. Right. But I have, <laughs> I have seen the fruit in his relationships with these men who they might not be going over to each other's house and watching football every weekend, but like they know the inner workings of one another's hearts because they're praying the Psalms for their kids. They're praying the Psalms for their parents. They're praying the Psalms for our nation together. Um, That is what's practical to me. Now you asked me about me and I would say I'm not in a regular prayer group though. Vox, you mentioned Voxer, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a group of women that I meet with twice a month and we will oftentimes use Voxer as like an SOS, like, hey, guys, this just happened. Can everybody stop what they're doing and pray? Yeah. Um, and I, I've actually found that, like, there's a really cool knitting together that happens with friends when you are even maybe praying for them more than you're talking to them. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We, um, I, I reached out to a couple of gals the other day for prayer and one of them um, just kind of shared that she was struggling with some of the same things that I was struggling with, which had to do with like anxiety, heavy anxiety, specifically at night. And yeah. since then I've talked to a few people and the, we basically just started praying for each other. It, it was like this thing like, Oh wait, you're awake at night. I'm going to be praying for you. And we've started praying. We've all seen a transformation in our sleep in literally a week since we've started praying. Really? Yes. And it, and it was, it's been something where you're just like, I, I didn't even realize, like, I, I don't know, like when you get to talk about it, you're just like, I didn't even realize that was an issue for you. But now, now that I know whenever I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm thinking of praying for those people and yes. it actually steals some of my anxiety because I'm grateful that the Lord woke me up to pray for somebody. Like it's, I don't see it as like, Oh, my anxiety woke me up. It's like, Oh, I'm awake so that I can be praying for so-and-so. That is so awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think that, so I am always drawn back to Paul's words, pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. I think that's in first Thessalonians. And I just, um, for a long time, I just felt like that was so unrealistic. Like, really, who does that? Like, and yet I am starting to see that like when the underpinnings of friendship are that you are interceding for one another, when the underpinnings of a day with a lot of kids are that you are hiding in your laundry room, talking to God, even if it's one minute at Mm -hmm. a time, when, when the underpinnings of your marriage are that you are investing in the soul of your spouse through prayer like slowly it becomes like more and more minutes of your day are really prayerful. Like, and it actually doesn't feel like it's this hard slog. It feels like this is becoming more natural that I would pray. Yeah. Which is, goes back to the, the, you know, the thing that I mentioned about my phone, it's present because this is actually what I was praying about this morning (laughs) was just this like realizing there is a pull on my life that is my phone. And again, I don't think it's social media for me, not to say that it, that's good or bad or for me, it's task and it's productivity in my fingers, you know, in my palm. But I, I feel like that pull, the biggest problem with it is that there is actually another conversation that I could be having throughout my day that would give me so much more life and is, is really what I was intended to do that it's taking me from. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, the phones are such a uh, such a struggle for all of us, and I know that um, they were they have literally been designed to pull to grab our attention. And the Lord comes in a whisper; He comes quietly. Um, he can grab our attention in really big ways, but more often than not, than not, um, He's waiting for us to sit down and open our ears and and listen. Yeah. And um, I think we'd be amazed at what he would do if we just sat down and gave him space to speak yeah. um, instead yes. of expecting him to just kind of barge in. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about adoration. This is something that um, for our community, we've, we've uh, been following you for a while. We've shared about you for a while because the adoration section specifically in our journal is one that is a struggle for people. It is hard for people to know how to talk about God's goodness, how to praise him in specific ways beyond just like very general basic things. And um, it's hard when we're also very used to just praying prayers like, Hey Lord, help me. I'm sick. Help my daughter on a math test. So I I just want to hear from you. What? What started you on this journey of um, of thinking about adoration? And I guess I should say, Sarah has a beautiful book called Adore on this topic, which she'll go into more. But um, what even started this desire to learn more about adoration in prayer? Well, it's interesting. I actually, I grew up Catholic and adoration was a service that, that happened. I think it may have happened daily, but I remember it being a weekly service that you could or couldn't, you know, you had the choice obviously to attend. Yeah. So it was like a part of my language, but then, you know, in my high school and college years, when I, um, really had more of an active faith with the Lord, I remembered that acronym ACTS, or I learned Mm -hmm. that acronym. I'm remembering it now. Do you know the acronym Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication? Yeah. So so that was like, oh, okay, adoration, you know, check the box. I adored God. Um, I thanked Him. I worshiped Him. But it wasn't until I was going through a really harder time in my life. My dad was dying of cancer. We were walking through long years of infertility and just hard stuff in our marriage, honestly, at a time where... You know, at 20 years in, there's a handful of friends who know what hard is in your marriage. But when you're one or two years in or five years in and you're having hard, a lot of people don't have hard that early. And so I felt mm-hmm. alone. And um, and a friend of mine said, hey, have you considered adoration? And I was like, well, sure. You know, acts, adoration, confession, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving supplication, you know. And But she was like, no, like, have you considered like actually using the word of God and adoring him through his word, like talking to God from his word. And she kind of gave me a challenge. I think she, I was sharing with her about this hard season. And I think she was probably hearing a lot of cynicism in my voice and kind of like what I wouldn't say in so many words, but what I felt like, where is God? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I just took her up on the challenge and I started like using God's word to talk to him and thank him for who he was from his word. And I think for any one of us who would do this, if we have a measure of honesty or vulnerability, we would recognize when I start to thank God for who he is in his word, I mostly see at first what I don't believe. Oh, You know, like here I am going, oh, Lord, you are my shepherd. You know, Psalm 23. Mm-hmm. Um, you make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. You restore my soul. And I'm going, uh, my life doesn't feel very quiet. I don't feel rested. And I'm kind of wondering where the shepherd is. Yeah. And so, so adoration for me started to look like just a back and forth where I would go, your word says you're my shepherd and I'm not feeling shepherded. I'm actually feeling alone. I'm feeling like you've left me alone during this hard time, but I don't, I know personally, I don't want to stay just stuck in my emotions. So I'm going, so I adore you, God, my shepherd. Like I adore you that you're my shepherd, even though I'm not feeling it. Like that adoration morphed for me into this dialogue with his word, where I was also not forfeiting my real emotions, but instead mm-hmm. actually bringing them into the conversation, which ultimately this friend who challenged me, I think was speaking to my cynicism. And, you know, cynicism can't keep growing when it's brought out into the light. Cynicism is essentially when we bury the deeper questions and 
anger and frustration we have towards God and put on a happy Christian face, you know, but when we start to bring those deep questions, the anger, the frustration, the hurt into our Mm -hmm. conversation with God, cynicism can't grow anymore. Man, I love that. I, I know we, um, in my book, uh, pray confidently and consistently, we're going to talk about lament and just how much that's the heart of like God wants that. He he doesn't love that we complain. It's not like he loves our complaints, but he knows that us going to him is the way that we um, come to know him. And, you know, we, we work through the doubts and you just said that. And I, I never really have thought about adoration as being that, but basically it was like you, a way of crossing through doubt into faith. Um, yes. And I just think that's, I don't want anybody to miss that because we can often just feel like our doubts are not welcome and we do have to bury it. Like you were saying, the cynicism is like just hidden kind of a, um, a fakeness that we can bring. And that's not at all what God is calling us to. He wants us to approach him. And when we come with this heart of adoration, it's not a natural response all the time because we do have these wrestlings and this doesn't mean that you can't adore God. It means that you will learn how to adore God as you bring stuff to him. So that that's is, right. that's powerful. That's right. I, I mean, it is, in some ways it's like marriage. And I know I'm assuming most of your, not all of your audience is married, mm-hmm. but I think we all understand the concept of like, you know, the, the initial like spark and flame that happens when you're first married, it goes away. Mm-hmm. And so you start to learn this long love, which is, man, like you laugh that out on the floor again. Like, what does it look like to love you when you keep doing that again? Or you said that thing that, you know, really hurts me and, and starting to like, actually, um, win your way into love where you choose, like, I'm going to see the, the beauty in this person. I'm going to see the strength in this person, even when at times they're not demonstrating it. And the more that I speak that out, the more that my heart actually starts to learn that that's there in them. Mm-hmm. You know, the more that I my and this is not present for me now, but I would say in earlier married days, like the more that I would look at Nate and say, I see strength in you, the more that my heart would start to believe it. And yeah. I think in some ways, adoration is you you are, there's a song actually that a friend of mine wrote, Laura, um, Laura Hackett at the time, she's now Laura Parks, where in the song she sings, you've got to sing your way into the truth. And I think in some ways, adoration is laying out a carpet, a red carpet for you to walk down, mm-hmm. which is the truth of God, even when you don't feel it. And, but the key is that you don't just, you're not just giving yourself Christian platitudes. You're actually bringing kind of like you, yeah, I know you talk about in your book, which actually I think, you know, as a quick aside, that's the beauty of your book is you level the playing field. We don't need to come posturing before God. We can come going, here's my raw self. And when I actually bring my raw self into conversation with you, I grow. And adoration is just one way of doing that where I say, I'm going to praise you and I'm not going to put on a happy face and praise you. I'm actually going to praise you from the place where I am right now. And today it might be frustration with a child or betrayal by a friend. I'm feeling betrayal by a friend or I'm feeling angry with my spouse. I'm going to come at that moment. I'm going to bring those emotions into my conversation with you. I'm going to tell you, I don't feel like doing this, but I'm still going to do it using your word. And slowly my heart starts to actually believe your word. Yes. And and David did that. Like we see him say things like, Lord, you know, like you're good. I believe in you. I have faith. And then he, you know, he'll have a few verses where it's like you, it's a totally different guy. It sounds like because he's feeling yes. abandoned again. And then he goes back to like, but you know, like I will like repeating that truth that he told. And I, I feel bad. I can't think of a, a single example of that, but I know, I know there's tons, but like just that it's like he's saying it twice and it's, it may be for poetry's sake. He might be just trying to make it beautiful, but I think it's also because he's having to tell, he's telling himself the truth and then he's getting lost in his own emotions and then he's having to tell himself the truth again. And, um, yeah. he, he's just, he's human just like us. And he is struggling to believe things, um, just like we do. Yes. If you're enjoying this episode, I want to share with you something to help take your prayer life deeper. My new book, Pray Confidently and Consistently, is now available. 
Over the last eight years, I've had thousands of conversations with fellow weary prayers who just want something more for their prayer time. It's almost a unanimous vote that even those who feel like they know how to study the word find it most difficult to pray. That's why I wrote this book. In it, you'll discover 15 weights that hold us back and keep us from the prayer life we never thought was possible. Grab your copy in our shop at valmariepaper.com on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. I want to, I have your book right here and um, I wanted to read this and maybe you can kind of tell our listeners a little bit about like this kind of format that you've given. So basically um, the book of door, she goes through, uh, let me see how many of these you might know. Is it 30, 30 31? Yeah. yeah 30 um, different qualities of God. And they're not, you know, like the ones they're, they're not all just like the five we know, like um, pr- provider healer there's those, but you go beyond. And I wanted to share the one for, Verse uh, it's Romans twelve two, which was our mm. key verse of Grumpy Mom. So it's one that I feel like I just love so much. And getting to see what you did with it was just really interesting because you can experience adoration in verses that you don't typically, you know, like it's not just the verses yeah. of God. This is who you are, like and the Psalms. I just, yeah, exactly. And I feel like you just opened up my mind to like, oh, whoa, this can we can adore God with any verse in the Bible. Um, yeah. So Romans 12, two says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And you said, I flitted like you, you had, we were sharing a story, but you said, I flitted to, I adore you, God, for making my mind new. I praise you for working transformation on my insides. This terrible normal morning. And I just loved that you took a verse that has, you know, nothing to do with adoration on the surface. And you just showed us what to do with that. And feel free to tell our listeners also like just how to do this, um, on their own. And then, you know, like, obviously I, I highly recommend this book just so you can see that, but, but yeah, just to get our listeners started and what that looks like. Yeah, I think, you know, an on-ramp, I always like to think of things being easy to start because I think I can be unrealistic and have really high expectations of myself. And then three days in, I'm not doing it. And Mm -hmm. then I'm like, so I would say an easy on-ramp is if somebody is listening and feeling like, I think this might be something you have for me. I think an easy on-ramp is, you know, three minutes today when you're feeling something you're feeling a form of irritation or aggravation or anger, or you just find yourself like looking for chocolate in the fridge. You know, that's always a good sign for me that like something (laughs) is maybe not quite right in my heart. Not that chocolate's bad, but you know, like when I'm, when I'm going for a binge, it's like, okay, there's, what am I, what am I like running from here? Or you're scrolling your phone for way longer than you want to. Like I would say, take the emotion that you're feeling and either pick up the Psalms and start with Psalm one, cause that's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, or Psalm 23 is always a good one, but say Psalm one, pick up the Psalm, start with Psalm one or a verse that comes to your mind. Cause some of us, you know, have verses that are just popping around in our head and start there and say, so like, say, I would say just Psalm one, you know, it's blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the w- wicked, nor sits in the way of sinners but it goes on to say his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Now, if it were me, I would probably be in my laundry room because no kid's going to follow me in there. I got a lot of teenagers and they don't want to <laughs> land in the laundry room. <laughs> so I would be in my laundry room going, okay, I feel irritated. I can't even remember why I feel irritated, but I'm feeling irritated. But your word tells me that when I walk in your way, I'm like a tree planted by a stream of water. God, I feel like there's a drought in my life today. I'm feeling empty. I'm feeling tired, feeling aggravated. But your word tells me that actually I have a stream of water accessible to me. So I don't feel this, God, but I'm going to tell you, thank you that you've put me by a stream of water, that I'm not out to dry in the desert. I adore you, God. I don't feel, and I, and I do this back and forth because I feel like, you know, like in my marriage, my husband doesn't want me to just tell him everything's great and fine. Like just so that we keep the peace. He wants to know what's going on in my heart. If I'm 
feeling frustrated with him or if I'm feeling distant. And so in this, or, you know, my best friend, she wants to know that's part of what the connectedness is in our relationship. And that's only a shadow of our relationship with God. So I'm bringing to him, I'm feeling irritated. I'm feeling frustrated. But then I'm not just like throwing my emotions out there. Cause I think we are in a day and a time where emotions are deeply validated. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in ways sometimes where there's no tether, like we're just being full of emotion is validated. And we don't necessarily recognize that like, if my emotions are tethered to something, they're not like a train just running free. So yeah. I'm going, I feel frustrated. I feel tired. I'm feeling angry, but God, I adore you that you put me by a stream of water. I adore you that I'm not a tree in the desert. I feel like a tree in the desert, but I adore you. And three minutes of that. And I will tell you, like, I I don't want to say this is like the tonic for like instant healing in God, but three minutes of that today, six minutes tomorrow, seven the next day, it really has been one of the most transformative practices in my life. And I naturally was cynical for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's start small. But then if people want to move into like a kind of greater practice, I feel like your journal is a great place to do that because you have the space written out right there where you can write the verse and write out your prayer and that dialogue back and forth. If you wanted to be more systematic about it, there was a, I, for six months, I adored through Psalm 23. And actually in my book, I write about for a good portion of a year, I adored through Psalm 18. I just picked one Psalm and did one phrase a day. I think there's lots of ways to do it. There's not necessarily one right way, but I think the key is bringing my raw emotions to his word. Yeah. And, and when you think about that, like, let's say you take, you know, six months, like you said, on Psalm 23, you know, like there's so much to uncover and because of who God is, like we, we will never run out of, of things to uncover about him. So I think that's so beautiful just to think about, like, there's no rush to learn it all, like we can learn it all. So there's that, you know, there's no pressure, but there's also just this unlimited resource of knowing, knowing more about God, which is just so beautiful. Well, um, I would love to hear, um, either the biggest answered prayer of your life, um, or, you know, and it doesn't have to be like an actually the biggest, but maybe one that sticks out the most to you as like, reminding you of how faithful God was to you and that prayer was real, or Mm. maybe a no that you got that you were able to see like what, like what God taught you through that. No. Wow. I mean, goodness. I feel like (laughs) I would need like an hour to really think about it. I think, (laughs) you know, very practically, like I'm just going to talk about motherhood. Um, there are a lot of little no's that the Lord gives me as I, um, dream for my kids. And I am learning the long, quiet, long suffering love that is parenting. You know, I I think we have some kids, we meaning parents in general have Mm -hmm. some kids who just thrive and flourish for most of their days. And we have some kids who have fits and spurts and struggles. I mean, I think more realistically, most kids don't just grow up and large and tall, you know, uh, in heart and in stature. Um, as time goes, there's, there's growth spurts and then there's times where they stall out. And I think as I'm currently raising four of my kids, well, I have four teenagers right now and all four of my teenagers are kids who experience pretty significant trauma in their childhood. We adopted each one of them. And one of the things that I'm just seeing, which I actually, actually, this could fall in the category of both answering both questions mm-hmm. is that. I, I've seen I've seen miracles in their lives. I mean, I think of one in particular, and I couldn't go into the details on a podcast because I think it would violate her story, but I've watched God pursue her so beautifully, such that probably one of our greatest family miracles is how he reached her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the same breath, I'm also watching how long it takes to heal from childhood trauma. And that it isn't, you know, I might be pacing the floor saying, God heal them now. And he's saying to me, but I have a work to do in you while you wait. And so in some ways, I feel like the story of my motherhood is a lot of waiting prayer. And by healing, I don't mean that, you know, it's the crazy things aren't happening in our home, but I have a desire for wholeness um, in terms of them understanding their own stories and seeing God's hand in them. 
But I'm really learning that sometimes when he says, no, not yet, he's actually going, Sarah, there's something I want to reach in your heart while you wait. That if I just gave this to you for every one of your kids a month after you prayed it, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't find me in the ways that you're finding me. So I feel like I'm facing a lot of no's, but in way, in a way it feels like the consolation is Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's going, yeah. I might not answer your prayer, but I'm going to give you more of me. I will always answer that prayer. I will always give you more of me. Yeah. And, and it's amazing that when you feel that, you know, to never give up on prayer, you know, like you, it, when yes. you get a no, you can feel discouraged. Like I'm, I guess that means I shouldn't pray. But when you get to see glimpses, and, and that's often a prayer that I have for people who maybe um, who don't pray consistently or don't feel like they should, is, Lord, give them a glimpse of you um, in whatever hard thing they're going through. Just a small victory, a something that lets them know that they have hope to continue to pray. And I just yeah. love, you know, how faithful God is in y'all's story to continue to give that so that you don't give up because, you know, I think that's part of why we have this beautiful book is because you did not give up on that. You knew the power, even when you're still waiting, you're still waiting for a lot of that. And in the same vein, I will say, that's what I loved about your book is I felt like you made prayer very accessible and it didn't feel like I'm reading this and I'm disqualified because I'm not doing this right. Or I'm actually not coming confidently and consistently. Like I actually Mm -hmm. felt like you gave me the, permission to come as I am and to watch what he does as I am. Um, which, you know, I think we humans like to, we, we want to get it all together before we pray rather than like praying right where we are. Yeah. It can feel paralyzing to feel like you, you don't know what you're doing or, and, and so paralyzing that you just decide I am so afraid of messing up that I'm just not going to do it. Right. And we don't want that. (laughs) Right. So did, was prayer modeled for you as a child? Was that something you saw? Was it something you learned later in life? And if, if it was, who was that for you? Well, it's interesting. I'm sure that it was. And I just don't remember. Mm -hmm. I I said I was raised Catholic and we, we were in mass, I think twice a week, like once on Sundays and once during the week. And I know that my mom prayed, but I don't, and I'm sure she modeled it for me. I just don't remember. (laughs) So I I remember more practically, like when I really took an active role in my faith, like I would say really started a personal relationship with Jesus when I was in high school. Um, I remember the ministry that I was a part of would do like annual prayer days where you would go for the day and pray about different things and I I mean, I'll just be honest, like those felt like drudgery to me. And I think that's part of why I was really drawn to adoration, not because anybody Mm -hmm. leading that made it drudgery. I just think in my own heart, I didn't have, I didn't really have a grid for like pray messy or pray unfinished or pray from the place that you actually are versus where you should be. So I kept trying to pray from where I thought I should be. Yeah. Um, It's almost like you felt like uh, this is basically a day of sitting up straight in fancy clothes that are uncomfortable, you know, like, yeah, you, it and was saying not a lot of words that like weren't really connected to my heart or praying yeah. through lists. And again, I, I mean, I actually would probably love something like that now having come mm-hmm. around the block a bit, but I think for me, that's why I was so drawn to adoration was it just felt like the first time that, well, maybe I shouldn't say the first because I think walking through my husband and I went through many years of infertility and then in there, my dad died. We just had a lot of struggles in our marriage, like I had said earlier. And it was through that, like, probably like, I mean, I would call it suffering and I know we all can, there's gradations to suffering. We're not mm-hmm. to necessarily judge it, whether it was or it wasn't, but it felt like suffering to me at the time. And I think it was then that I started to realize, like, I can talk to God you know, when I'm leaving Martha Jefferson hospital, watching another friend have a baby and I, you know, just got my period again and I'm not gonna, Mm. I'm not going to be pregnant this month. Like I can talk to him right here. I think that combined with the conversation I had with my friend about adoration, those were maybe two of the more monumental times in my life where I started to see, Oh, God just wants me to talk to him. Like I might talk to a friend right now and not wait till I feel like it. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. or wait till I feel like it's cleaned up enough yeah. for me to say something. Yeah. Well, so, you know, it, it does seem like you have had lots of different seasons of growth. What is, where are you right now in terms of what do you inspire to pray like, or what, what has encouraged you, um, as you think about the prayer life that you want to continue growing, what does that look like? Oh, that's such a good question. It's top of mind for me because I am really wanting to pray the scriptures more mm-hmm. practically. Um, I'm studying Ephesians and Philippians this year, and yeah. I there's a lot of prayers in there. And yeah. I just am finding that like there are places in his word where you can just pray with power when you're using his word. And so right now, like even, you know, this morning I was just praying like, God, you know, Psalm, Psalm 119 actually has, I have prayed through Psalm 119 over many years because there's Mm -hmm. just phrase after phrase after phrase that are awesome prayer prompts. Revive me according to your word. Give me life according to your word. And just this morning I was just praying that like, I know I need your Holy Spirit to make me want to pray according to your word, to make me want to do more than just react to my life, but be engaged with you in my life. So that's kind of where I am. Like, revive me according to your word that I will pray the scriptures and want to be engaged in that and not just reacting to my life and praying about the things that come up as they come up. Because there's a lot going on in my life that I love to proactively pray about using his word. Yeah, and I'm actually studying Ephesians too. And, oh, or, uh, yeah, and I'm going through super slow. And um, what I was reading, I think it was, I think it's in Ephesians one, but it's the prayer that he prays for. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and it's so powerful because you're just like, man, like he's praying such eternal things. You know, he's not praying for anybody's toe to feel better. He's not praying. Yes. And you know, we know those things aren't bad to pray for, but but. That is exactly right. I, I like wrote down Psalm 19 because I want to be praying through that too. Yes. The oh, sorry. Idea... Did I say Psalm? Psalm it's Psalm 119. Psalm oh, 119 oh, yeah. No, that's what, one. sorry. That's what I meant. Oh, okay. The long one. <laughs> the long one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, but it just makes me think that has been something on my heart of just like moving from prayers of, um, you know, like comfort, material things of even for the people that we love, like I want to be praying like Paul prayed, I think he said for eyes to see, you know, like the spiritual blessings or the, the power that we have in God. And, mm. um, I remember Asherita, um, who she actually has a podcast on prayer. It's called prayers of rest. And she, she talks a lot about prayer too. She prayed for me the other day on Vox, And when I listened to her prayer, I was just thinking, man, I want to pray like that. She covered mm. so much eternal things that I was thinking, you know, yeah, I want her to pray for my stomach to feel better, <laughs> like this pain that I've had for eight <laughs> yes. months. But man, like oh. what she was bringing before the Lord was just so beautiful. And so I love, I love that you shared that. And listeners, if you, I think that is just such practical advice to say, start at Psalm 119. Yeah. Um, I will yes. be doing that too. So we can do that together. Um, but I love that, Sarah. I love that you that you shared that. And I think it's always interesting to see, you know, like as we grow on this journey of prayer, like there's always more that we want to learn. And it doesn't mean we're trying to hit this bar of like perfection in prayer, but mm. it is beautiful to know that our prayer life can always be growing and changing. And I think yes. so often people feel like failures if they're not doing something the right way. And, or even like with the journals, you know, people feel like, if I'm not using it as it's intended, it's not going to, to do anything, but like the Lord is not, he is not wagging his finger, trying to get us across a certain right. line. He is inviting us into this conversation. So yes. the amount of prayer that we pray more than we would, um, the day before, or, you know, the season before, I think the Lord is rejoicing in. So, um, Amen. So well well, Sarah, yes. this is such a good conversation. Um, I would love it if you would pray for our listeners before we oh, go. Yeah, I'd love to. Jesus, I just pray that um, for every person listening that you would do a like little revival according to your word in our hearts. You know, Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. And God, it feels so hard to do that. 
but we know that your spirit can do that right in us. And so, Lord, I just pray at the very minimal that you would spark a desire in us to talk to you. And then beyond that, that you would create pathways today, even for just a few more minutes where we can talk to you. God, I pray that you would make tangible way for us to dialogue with you today outside of what we might normally do and to just meet you, to see you, to see you being so present in our day, God. I I thank you for this book that Val has written. And I just pray God for your Holy Spirit to move through the pages of pray confidently and consistently, God, that, that as people read the book that she's written more that their hearts would feel like minded that we can just come as we are and approach you and that you've made a way so accessible to us, God. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that we need you to follow you and that you give us all we need to follow you. Amen. Thank you so much, Sarah. That was, that was beautiful. Um, where can our listeners find out more about you? Well, I am on Instagram at Sarah Hagerty Writes. Um, no H at the end of my name, just S A R A Hagerty Writes. But I write actually most frequently. I do have a website, sarahagerty.net, but I also have a private group that I write to um, on Substack, substack.com. If you look up Sarah Hagerty, it's called Soar, and I write there a couple times a week. That's a little bit more long form writing than what I write than what I might put on Instagram. And you can find any of my books on Amazon too. Thank you. That's awesome. And I love the long form content that I think that that is one of those things that stretches our attention span and honestly helps us learn to be um, more focused in prayer, just as we invite more, more of those long form things and, and, you know, things that require time. So I love it. Well, thank you so much for for being here, Sarah. Yes, I really appreciate it. I, I love what you do. I really, really do. I feel like the Lord, um, the Lord has positioned you for this time because we need your message. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks again. All right.